Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast. I am bringing you another guest interview. And today we're going to be speaking with David Eady. David is a certified executor advisor, and he has worked in the financial planning industry in Montreal for more than 35 years. He's advised hundreds of clients, written over 200 articles about personal finance, and he has shared his experience on radio and television a myriad of times. But he's not just an expert, he's also somebody who knows this topic inside and out from his own personal experience, having spent seven years and $50,000 in lawyer fees to come to an agreement with siblings over his parents' estate. And that was with a written will. The grief, frustration, and stress of that experience was life-altering for him. And so he was decided to write a book, which he has entitled Executor's Help Book, and this book was written in order to help other people successfully navigate the difficult tasks of estate planning and executorship so that other families could stay together rather than fall apart. Welcome to the podcast, David. Ooh, that was quite the intro. Uh, is that my life you were just talking about? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. The one part you left out, you did say about the seven years. I did spend $50,000, um, but you also left out that I was in court 10 times. Oh my word. Well, I, uh, uh, it's amazing how these simple things turn into what, what should be, we think simple situations, things spelt out are way more complicated than, than we know. And I just want our podcast listeners to know, as we dig into this conversation, part of why I wanted to, to, to have you on is because until you have walked this path and have your own story, it doesn't sound like there's much to get into. And then when you hear the tales, it's like you 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 have this this drive, these cautionary tales. I didn't know it was going to be like this. I never thought about that. We all got along until money came along. Why didn't we have this figured out before? Because we can't ask them now. And then the whole thing just implodes. So if you're somebody who's not really thinking like, why do I need to listen to this podcast about estate planning and executorship? You haven't done it yet. You haven't been there. Please, please, please stay tuned. Listen to the advice that David has for us because because nobody thinks it's going to go sideways. You, well, you've pretty much said it all because for the simple reason, spoiler alert, we're all going to die. And a lot of people are either they avoid this conversation, they um, might procrastinate, or they take the view, they're apathetic, and they say, you know what? I'm going to die. It's not my problem. It's who I'm leaving behind. Let them deal with what I'm doing. And when you do that, you are leaving your family in a way that they're going to be left disorganized and in chaos, literally in chaos. And in my case, that's what ended up because 
as much as I've been, and you said, you know, uh, I've been an advisor for over 35 years, and I'm used to having my, you know, being in the office when, you know, clients would have their will done and have the conversations and, you know, you know, be there with the lawyer and, you know, help them along, you know, just be a go-between. And I can tell you when my mom and dad came in to do the will and, you know, it was just a normal, the only thing is I wasn't in the room. I just could not fathom talking about my parents' death and them not being here. Um, and I wasn't in the room when they were doing the will. So I knew there was a will. My other sister, she was in the in the room, but there was one other sibling who didn't know there was a will. But how my parents had set it up that, um, you know, everything should be split three ways. And when it comes down to an estate, uh, equal doesn't always mean fair. And there's always going to be someone who's going to want to contest. And hence, that's where we ended up in uh, in court for 10, um, uh, 10 times over those seven years, because even though it split three ways, one individual decided, well, you know what, I don't think it's fair. And in this case, one sibling decided, well, you know, of the three, maybe I should get two thirds and my uh, the other two siblings should split the third. So um, that's where we had to put the kibosh to that. And that wasn't going to happen. And also what you had said that, well, you know, we all get along. Listen, you have no idea how people are going to behave when you're gone. And you really don't know about somebody until you have to share an inheritance with them. Because I can tell you, the first time we were in court, I literally, I, I can remember it. it, was like I was having an out-of-body experience. And I can hear, feel my parents spinning in their grave. Because here we are, they had their three children in the courtroom. And you had three strangers. We had lawyers on both sides and a judge. Three strangers deciding their assets and their legacy for their family. And I don't remember those other three people ever being at our at the Christmas table. Don't remember them. But here we are. And, uh, you know, we no longer own the assets that my parents own. And the three of us haven't spent the holidays together since they passed away 10 years ago. And that's because there weren't there's any there weren't the conversations. Yeah. You know, I, I did some work with Bank of Montreal a few years ago and um, they their um, uh, intergenerational uh, wealth transfer of wealth group wanted me out out there at had aggribition because a lot of these people have large farms and they have to make allocations for passing the farm on. And what they realized was that even though the bank people knew a lot about wealth and wealth transfer, that wasn't the thing they had in what they didn't have training in was human relationships. And they didn't know how to handle the the arguments in the in the office and how to have these complicated and difficult and emotional conversations. These were very human. Yes, the premise is, is money and title and things, but it was how to how do humans have these conversations and why they're so vital. So there was a situation where a farm was passed on and um, it was not clear in the will the wishes for the farm. So the one brother wanted to modernize it and turn it into an organic farm and make all these innovations. And the other brother really felt that the farm should represent as a legacy to the, to the parents to stay traditional and as exactly as it always was. And he didn't want to see any changes to the farm because that was his childhood. And because they didn't have a clear understanding of what the intent of uh, of the parents, you know, they got into this big war about the about this farm. And so here's this, in a sense, legacy that's supposed to represent the family. And yet it's the very thing that was shred was shredding them apart. Absolutely. And, and that's because just like, um, you know, the, the case that you're talking about there is because the parents didn't have the conversation as much as I knew what was in the will. One other, my other sister knew what was in the will. The third one didn't. Um, my parents never had the conversation and say, "Hey, we this is what we want. We want you know the the family to continue on, whether they like it or not. At least you're saying what your wishes are, and this is what I want." And far too often, people will have wills, and they don't want to have that conversation. It's uncomfortable because they don't want to upset the kids. Um, when I was doing the research for the book, mediator was telling me it used to be families would fight over the estate when the parents were dead. What's happening now is, and he's seeing a lot of, is that the, the kids are fighting over the estate while the parents are alive. So 
again, if the the matriarch and the patriarch have the conversations and say, this is what I want going forward, it should help along with the conversations. They, again, the beneficiaries may not like it, but that's just too bad because it is your estate. But there isn't those conversations. And it's because there's three types of, uh, of families. So we talk about the family that has a will and they don't say anything and they let the paperwork do the talking. There's the family who just the talk of talking about death scares them. And they think about, you know, if we talk about death and, and um, you know, wills, somebody's going to die. And so they bury their head. And then the, the third type of family is the family that you want is going to have the ongoing conversations, ongoing you know, this is what's going to happen, how they pass on. You know, there's a lot of talk about this intergenerational wealth. It's really intergenerational wealth, but statistics have shown that 70% of any inheritance only makes it to the second generation. And usually by the third generation, it's all disintegrated because there isn't that ongoing passage of conversations of what we would like to see. I say often that a legacy isn't what you leave people, but it's how you leave them. And, you know, what we're talking about and what I write in my book is how to leave a legacy and not a legacy in a mess. Yeah, again, in our family, I think my parents were the more the fell into the category um, of the the kind of stick in your head in the sand kind of people. It was They weren't uncomfortable talking about dying, but I think they were very uncomfortable. I think they were just bad with money, frankly. I just think they were, I, I don't know, they just were, were bad with money. And um you know, there is pain that could have been averted if they would have set up trust funds and things like that. We, in hindsight, say that it, it did us no favors that they didn't step up into their role, um, that a little a little bit of discomfort then would have saved a lot of discomfort for us now they, that they they really passed on a burden more more than they probably probably knew. Um, and I love that you have a quiz. You've got a quiz on your website so people can kind of find out what those okay. what those what those categories are so, so that they know what those kind of the families but you see you and i are having this conversation and we're, and we're saying about families and there's probably people listening out there and they're going these allison and david they're talking nonsense you know what we get together every christmas we play board games you know we have our our our, our fame you know our, our family traditions we are just fine we don't need to talk about this if something was to happen we'll be okay Again, you don't know about somebody until you have to share an inheritance with them. And there's someone that you thought you knew sitting at the at the Christmas table uh, or holiday get-togethers, you, you, you're going to see them in a different light. Because we're all under the illusion that our families are perfect. But we know if we really strip away just maybe the first layer, we know that somebody doesn't like somebody. They're going to look at somebody sideways. And if, some, if something bad was to happen you know that you would turn on that person and even though they're your family so it's it's a hard conversation but needs to be done if you want to see your family you know you know go on to the next generation and generations after that so where do we start where do you suggest people start if they're if they're sitting here now saying like okay you know what i gotta pull up the socks i i gotta i gotta get going on this i i'm gonna heed the advice where, where do you recommend people begin well, the first thing is, like you're saying, you know, pull up their socks because in, um, intensive care is no place to find out that there's no will. OK, so you need to make sure that you will. And, uh, and I also usually say is that you can't have a meaningful conversation when they're on a ventilator. So you need to say, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have I'm going to set up um, an, an appointment with a lawyer. Yes, there's online solutions that you could do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at least do something. 60% of Canadians don't have an estate plan or a will. And more often than not, it's more men than women that actually have a will, which is a big, big problem. And I see that who comes to my website, it's generally more men. And I thought when I was writing the book is more would be women that would be interested in the, the area because men pass away and the ladies are left behind. But it's more men that are, if they do anything, they, they are the ones that are doing something. So if you're going to go to say and see a lawyer, yes, it might be a couple of hundred dollars or a little bit more, depending on how complex your your situation is. You know, be prepared. Be prepared in terms of who you're going to choose is, is your executor. You know, think long and hard about that because you're asking somebody to a, a really big favor. You're asking somebody to spend 
on average, up to 100 hours, and it's going to be their working hours. They can't take time, you know, and they can't do it on the weekend. So that's 100 hours that they're going to have to do. And it can take anywhere from 18 to 24 months to settle out of state. It could be even longer. In my case, it was seven years. So you need to figure out, is that individual the person that can handle that sort of situation? Because 90% of most executors have no idea of where to start. So, you know, you need to prepare an exec. You have to, you need an executor when you're dead, but you need to prepare them while you're alive. So make the job easier on them. So don't leave them in a situation where, where I talk about in the book, the triangle of, of conflict. Don't leave an executor in a situation where there's either no will, there's a second marriage, or the family members don't get along. If you have one, just one of those issues as part of an estate, you just made the job even harder on the executor. So make it as easy as possible on them. So, you know, ask, make it easy for the executor in terms of um, when you're setting up the will, uh, who are you going to have, you know, who's going to be the guardian of your of the children if you have minor children? You want to talk about who the beneficiaries are, okay? Um, again, you can do whatever you want as the testator, person writing the will. You can do whatever you want and leave whatever you want to individuals. So, again, it doesn't matter what the executor thinks or what the beneficiaries thinks. This is based on your will and your wishes. So, who are the beneficiaries? Um, who's going to be your patient advocate? You know, you're only going to die once, but there's a chance that you might be disabled or laid up in the hospital and you need somebody to look after you to make sure the bills are being paid, you know, like uh, so for a power of attorney. So you want to have that separate from the will, but that makes up part of your estate plan. You want you want to leave any particular monies to uh, charities? Do you have any charity requests? Do you have any specific uh, items? Is it cars or jewelry or something specific that you're leaving to a, a specific individual? You want to name that in the will. Another thing that people don't really think about are the pets. They might be your furry friends and they're part of the family, but in the eyes of the, the law, they're nothing but property. So you want to make sure something's who's going to look after those pets. Um, you know, have that conversation with that individual if you want to leave the pets to them. So that's going to make up. And those are things you need to think about when you first go meet with a lawyer and have those conversations. Again, it, it's going to cost you a couple hundred dollars, maybe a little bit more, depending on the complexity and the things that you want to have inside the will. But you know what? Why not pay for some knowledge and the experience so that you make sure that it's done right the first time? Do you have to get permission, Dave, for like if I just name in my will who my executor is? Do I have to ask their permission or can I just name who I want it to be? And, you, and and do I have to get if I say like, oh, you know what, if I die, I want my kids to be um, raised by these people. Do they have to approve or are they just they're just going to open up the will after I'm dead and go, hey, guess what? Allison wants you to have her two kids. Well, that's that's where you need to have those conversations. That's why you need to prepare your executor and also prepare your your family and maybe even the guardian that <clears throat> excuse me, that you've chosen them as, as the, uh, as the guardian of the, of the kids. Now, if you choose as the executor, a lot of people, um, I, I've had a friend of mine uh, and I talk about it in the book, she out of the blue found out that uh, through her uncle from the uncle's lawyer that who passed away, that she was the executor of his estate. And if you get that sort of phone call or you get notified that you've been named an executor, you don't have to take the job. You can renounce. You can say, I don't want to do that job. And she renounced because she knew that there was one of the elements of the triangle of conflict. She knew the her cousins did not get along and they, she knew that there was going to be a fight and she didn't want to be part of that S show, as, we, as I said in the book. So, <laughs> so she renounced. So, um, if you're going to choose somebody as the executor, have that conversation with them, but also prepare them, prepare them that you've, um, you, you're going to let them know where the will is going to be kept. You're going to let them know that you've spoken to the family. If the will is pretty complex, maybe you're going to choose maybe not an individual, but maybe an individual with a trust company or a bank, because they're going to not get involved with the, the the foolishness of the family and their drama, but you might want a, a, a co have them as a co-executor. Um, you know, you're going to tell them about the guardian, uh, who it's going to be. And a question that a lot of people, um, either if, as a testator, you have to make a decision 
or if someone is going to be an executor and they're going to ask the question, am I going to get paid? Again, you know, we're looking at 100 hours and even, you know, maybe two years or even longer. You have the right to get paid and the executor has to make a decision. Well, you know what? A percentage of the estate is what you can charge. If you choose to be the executor, um, a lot of times the individual who's the executor might also be a beneficiary. And I've seen people renounce and say, well, I'm not going to take any because I'm going to you know, get part of the estate. What I have seen, what I call double dipping, where people, um, they're a beneficiary and they charge the estate, which is, you know, that's a moral thing, which is another reason, which brings up, uh, could bring up another fight. Um, but, you know, it, it is a lot of time. Um, you're going to have to report that income to CRA, uh, even though you're getting paid by the estate, but you can also write off expenses, you know, uh, gas, um, you know, photocopying, et cetera, et cetera, is being part of the, the, the executor. And the other thing is the individual, if you're preparing the executor or if you're going to be executor, let them know if there is a co-executor. Because let's say, for example, there's two of you that's been chosen in the will. The two of you have to be able to get along because everything has to be done with two signatures. So if you're 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 writing your will as the testator, you gotta make a decision. Will these two people get along and make sure that things move along uh, as quickly as possible? Because that's the other thing. When you're an executor, one of the problems you have to deal with are the beneficiaries. And the beneficiaries, if they see that you're they're not going to think twice to take you to court. They're not going to, if they feel that, hey, how come I'm not getting my money, my check? What's taking so long? If you do any radio silence, then you're going to have problems. So that's why I advocate, you know, keeping the beneficiaries up to date every once or every uh, every couple of weeks or once a month, do a Zoom call or an email saying, hey, this is what's going on with the estate. We're moving along. Because when someone leaves you know, something to their estate leaves a legacy, a gift to somebody. They see it as I'm leaving you a gift. Okay. But they're looking at the other way as somebody's writing me a check. So it's two different visions of how this is going to go down. Right. So if the person who is, they're gone and they've, they've left their gifts and you've got the person going, where's my check? they're more going to be a little bit more aggressive because you know what I want I want my money what's taking so long what are you doing are you are you competent enough if you're not competent enough let me sue you and take you to court and get you removed that sort of thing so if you accept to be an executor and 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 someone is choosing someone make sure that they understand the liability that they're taking on as well because if they don't pay the right amount of taxes they're the one that's going to be on the hook to make sure that that um, the taxes are paid properly. So you never pay out, or, and what I advocate is, you don't pay out anybody as much as they might beg for that money um, until you've paid the taxes and that the government says you're clear and then you pay the residue of what's from the estate and you pay them out. Don't do the other, because if you don't have enough money to pay the taxes, good luck trying to collect back from, uh, the, you know, from the checks that you paid before. And then people say, well, I spent the money, now what? You as the executor, you're on the hook for you know taxes and the and the settling of the estate. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, 
I'm glad there wasn't this big chunk of money to, to, to concern my, anyone in my family about, but I didn't know I was going to be the executor. And, uh, you know, in hindsight, had I have known my disorganized father, I would have said things like, where is the key to your your safety security box? And where is this said will? And where is your tax file? Because I'm going to have to file your taxes. I mean, I had so much just finding the stuff. And, um, you know, clearly the the lack of interest in money was just just disorganization and some general administration yeah. part of his personality. And how long ago were you an executor? How long was that? Uh, he, he passed away about 12 years ago. Um, OK, so 12, so 12 years ago, maybe maybe it wasn't an issue then, but there's also the area of digital assets. There's also, you've got to think of today, we've got online banking, you've got investment accounts, you've got payment services like uh, PayPal, credit cards, email, social media. I had a friend of mine, she passed away six months ago, and I could see right away her executor didn't know her passwords because LinkedIn on Friday popped up. Happy to say congratulations, happy birthday to her. It was on Facebook, popped up again to her birthday. So yeah, and each social media um, outlet has their own protocol on how to shut down an account. So you need to know the digital accounts, not only social media, you know, the utilities, the websites that you maintain, everything that you've done up in the cloud storage. You need to know where all of those logins and passwords over and above having the will. Because how are you going to get into this, you know, the cell phone, the computer, the tablet? So you need to have in what I advocate and what I talk about in the book is that you need to have a giant, big, brightly colored folder. So if you, in your case, your dad said, you know what, Allison, in that brightly red colored folder in my filing cabinet, you will find. And and the reason I say a brightly colored envelope is because when someone has passed away, there's grief and people are traumatized and you can't find things when you're traumatized, because now you're just searching all over the place. But if you knew in advance that, Allison, there's a bright red envelope inside there, you're going to find the will inside there. You're going to find all my logins and passwords. Maybe there is a funeral arrangements, pre-planned funing. All those paperwork is in there. Think of it as when there's an emergency, you break the glass and pull and uh, break the glass and pull the lever. It's the same thing with this brightly colored envelope. Make it easier on your executor so that they can don't be leaving them disorganized and in chaos because it sounds like you were left in chaos sort of and disorganized. Yeah. And, and uh, again, had I had known that this role was, was going to be bestowed upon me, I probably would have been more proactive to say, here's what I need in order to execute this. Well, this would be really helpful for me. And I could have stepped up and done some of that work, you know, that I would have been okay with that. So not knowing, not having those conversations was, was a real pain. And as you're, even as you're saying all the extra stuff about social media, I think I would just remember how many hours and hours, you know, I'm self-employed. I'm a single mom. Like that's, (laughs) I mean, I got it all done and my brothers were patient, but to, to, it is such an understatement to say, this is sure. It's an honor that somebody thinks that you're competent enough to, to do this, but this is basically like getting another job, you know, and uh, and I didn't take I didn't take money for it. I, I there like I said, there wasn't really anything left by the time everything was done, anyways. So that wasn't really a a question, anyways. Um, but anything that you can do to ease the the work of this and and to smooth it out, it, it's to have a conversation. Yeah, you, you, it's is have that conversation. Just prepare me. A lot of people uh, I talk about is that you know at least say. You know, you, you need a good accountant. You're going to need, you need an accountant. You need uh, a lawyer. You need a financial advisor. Those are just the bare minimum to help you settle the estate. You, it can go up to at least 17 different uh, professionals that you might need. You might need a, a real estate agent. You might need someone who's going to, you know, do a, a, an estate auction. So, so, but the bare minimum is the accountant to make sure that they pay the right amount of taxes. The lawyer that's going to take you through any issues if there's a beneficiary that's going to look at you sideways because you know what, Allison, you, you're taking too long. What's taking so long? You know what? I'm going to have to take you to court. Um, and then the financial advisor, if there's assets to manage them, maybe it's the right time to sell something or how to get it all organized. So the bare minimums have those three professionals to help you along. Yeah. 
I get well, that, that just just either the real estate thing again i got along with my brothers that wasn't content contentious but you know i clearly needed to get things done so when we put the property up for sale you know the a couple offers came in it wasn't a very likable property so i was very happy to take get it done i wanted to get it done and i can only imagine if you had a sibling who was like eyeing that money saying like oh i think we should hold out for you know more money and i'm like i just need to get this done i, I i'm not i'm not in the real estate market. I have a life. I, I just want to get this done. I'm not going to sit around for another $5,000, $10,000, but you can see how the animosity on just that one, that's just one of a million things that need to be settled that can spark off these, these disagreements that would never be part of, of what you would expect to be having conversations with your sibling in, in, until you're in that moment. I have a friend of mine, his, he, he hasn't spoken to his brother in over a decade and it's over his mother's Royal Dalton, China. In the will, she said the Royal Dalton China should go to his wife. They're cleaning up the house. The brother comes to him and says, you know what? I really like that Royal Dalton China to go to my daughter. My my friend said, you know what? Go talk to my wife. He goes, says to the wife. The wife says, no, no, your mom wanted me to have it. He comes back to the brother, says, your wife is a la, 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 la. And that was the end of the conversation. And they haven't spoken in 10 years over Royal Dalton China. So it's and I, and the other day I was talking to another person. There's there's family aren't talking over a dinner table. There's a particular table that they all you know had Christmas dinner and stuff like that. And there's a fight over that. So it's 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 all it, and you're lucky because your brothers clearly weren't in that triangle of conflict. You guys got along. But figure if one if there's more than figure if one of them said, you know what's Allison doing. You know, okay, so she, all right, she's she's working for herself. So she got plenty of time. She could take care of this. But next thing you know, it just continues on. So it's it's I um someone wrote when I uh, was promoting the book, and they wrote that being an executor is probably the worst job in the world that you could ever have. Amen or a woman to that. I, I will compl- I will completely agree. And um, so for those people who do it, if you're not the one and you're waiting, um, just give them all kinds of recognition is all I can say. And I will make sure that I do not burden my children by being unprepared, disorganized. I will be as clear as possible. I will have those conversations because being on the receiving end of it is, is really uh, no fair. And also, I don't plan to do it a second time. So you don't also you get you don't get a learning curve. I didn't know what probate meant. I didn't know the order of operations. Like I, I so wish I would have had your book back then. I, I mean, <laughs> you, 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 you're, you're grieving and you're suddenly given all this administrative task in this language that it has nothing to do with any of my work world. I, I, you know, it's just, um, uh, amazing how, how and, science- and it's funny you should say you, you just mentioned the first chapter of the book grieving when I was writing it, I was, you know what? You need to take time for yourself. You've just lost a loved one. Um, and, and I went through it twice, you know, with my parents. I'll miss my mom's voice every day. But we had to take time to grieve. And you need to take time for yourself because everybody in the family grieves differently. And if you're the executor, you've also got to take that grief and put it to the side. And then you have to do the business of the executor. And that's a tough thing. So you've got to figure out how do I get my mental health in order so that I can do the job um, because, you know, it, the, the, the government you got to deal with and you, and you're going to find yourself saying over and over again, you know what, my mother's died or my father's died and it's a trigger all the time. So you need to f- figure out how are you going to compartmentalize, put it off to the side and do the business of being an executor. When, when things start to go rough in the, in the, in the family um, you said there often can be, you know, multiple, professionals does this end up being conversations that necessarily have to get elevated to 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 lawsuits to to be resolved or where 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 are some of the other resources that people before things get as intense as that that could maybe see the triangle of conflict happening and try to keep it calm resolved without the seven years and the fifty thousand dollars it well, it comes back to the grief and it also comes back to at the end of the day, we are we still see ourselves as children. OK, so, um, you know, the media was telling me that he, you know, 
maybe you have to go to a mediation. It might cost something, but it's going to be cheaper than actually heading to court. But the mediator was telling me that, um, you know, he had these two these two brothers. It was a multi-million dollar estate. And they were just about to, and he thought they had an agreement. And he, and the one brother said, because when you're in mediation, because I was in it too, you go from one room to the other, see if we can get this done. And one brother said to the mediator, I'm good. He went to the other brother. He says, I'm not good because he's a thief. My brother's a thief. And the mediator says, well, what are you talking about? He's a thief. He goes, you know what? When he was 11 years old, he sold a sold a chocolate bar and he's a thief then. And I believe he's stealing from me now. So we're not. And so they ended up going to court, blowing out their brains. They had the money. So they spent several hundreds of thousands of dollars going to court because. And I'll say it going to court, you think you're going to be right. I had the thought as well is that, you know, if I just get in front of the judge and I ha- and I get to have my speech and say what I have to say, clearly he's going to see the other side. They're morons. They, they, he has to. But everybody wants their day in a court. And that day in court is not like law and order. It's not over in 45 minutes, in an hour. Day in court means a day off from work. It means, it means that it's going to be carried over. It means it's going to go on. In my case, um, it's probably the seventh or eighth time. It was in November, around this time where we're taping now. It was around November. wasn't feeling really well, but I, but I knew we weren't. We were going back to court in uh, January, so wasn't feeling well. Susan says to me, "You know what? Maybe we should go to the hospital." Anyway, years ago I had um, heart stents put in. Ended up this time because of the stress. I ended up having triple bypass surgery. So, but I told the doctor. I need to get ready because I got to go to court in January. I got to finish this. Luckily, it got postponed later on, so I was able to get a little better. But the stress of that and knowing what I had to go through for this nonsense ended up me, me being in, you know, having someone have to crack my chest open to open uh, fix my heart. But it was just a tune-up, so it's all good, Allison. Yes, I'm good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you have your stints and that and that you uh, made and, it. And, and my high bar heart. Bypass surgery, yeah, it's all good. It's all it's all a tune-up. It's all fine. Oh, but but you're right. The court system is is expensive and very slow, and um, and they're uh, they work under a different set of protocols, uh, legal precedent, and they just it's a it's a different system than mediation, conversation, counseling. Um, you know, it, it's 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 really a very different animal. Um, but people want it. They want to. They want to have their day in court. They want to be right. So at yeah. some point in, in in our case, we're three co-executors. I know I couldn't get along with the other part, the other person. So I renounced. So there was just the two of them to like keep things moving. So you've got to make a decision to put your ego aside and step aside and say, you know, it's enough of this nonsense. And as much as, as distasteful as it is, Step aside and let and try and keep the process moving. Don't try to be right. If you know the other side is difficult, they're not going to change. They're not going to wake up one day and go, you know what? Maybe I'm being a bit of a jerk. Maybe I'll change. They're not. <laughs> you know them, especially if they're siblings. You know they've been like that their whole life. But they're going to wake up one day and say, yeah, I was, I'm out of line. No, they're not. So why? Be the bigger person. Step aside. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Oh, for your own heart sanity. Um, what, what do you think? So what do you think is the biggest mistake that the, the uh, omission picking wrong executor? What's what what which, what's the big mistake that tends to what do people what do people what's the big mistake people tend to make? They well, after having the will, they don't update the will um, and they don't. Oh, I might be guilty age. there. So because your life changes, there could be a divorce, it could be there could be changes, it could be death. Perfect example. A couple of weeks ago, I went and saw my mom's cousin. She's 93 years old. She lives now down in Barbados where she lived in Montreal, built a house in Barbados. We're down there. She's 93. She heard about the book and blah, blah, blah. She's talking. She goes in her in her little bedroom, pulls out the drawer, brings me this big file, puts it down. It's her will, shows it to me. She said, can you read it for me? So I'm reading it and I'm looking at the name and I know this is not going to go well. So I just said, um, I, so I see you left your 
will to your um, your main beneficiary is your sister. And she goes, yeah. And so she's going to get everything here, the house and everything. And she goes, yeah. I said, isn't this sister dead? She goes, oh, yeah. So you're going to have to update that. And um, the executor, this new executor you have, does she know where all the paperwork and everything, where you pull that out of the bedroom, out of the drawer? She goes, no. And I said, um, and where does she live? England? I said, well, you need to let her know where where these papers are and you need to update this will. So uh, my sister and I, because we were down seeing her, and um, so now we're working with her to get her get it up to date. So there's changes in your life that you might think, oh, okay, you know, once you have a will, it doesn't mean that you get to, you know, just get it and then forget it. As your life changes, it needs to be updated as uh, as time go on. I mean, I said during your 93, this probably is going to be the last update that you're going to do. Unless I'm, you're looking, you maybe you might find a new boyfriend and get married. I doubt it. But you know what? Keep your options open. Just update the will and, and then go on from there. So she's doing that. So however you are, and, and and you gave me a bit of a look, you're like, like you're guilty. Do you feel that your will should be updated? Well, I'm going to look at it now. I, I'm trying to think what has what has transpired because uh, I think my will is 10, 12 years. And, and in, when I say that to you, first flush, I think, no, things are pretty status quo. But I don't think until I actually get out and read it, because to your point, like maybe it is that you have a new pet. Maybe it is that I designated things. I'm doing this for memory. And at my age, I shouldn't do anything from memory, for God's sakes, David. Like I, should, <laughs> I don't do anything from memory anymore. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop you? griping. Have you have you talked to your executor? Do you know who your executor is? I no no I don't know who it is. I can't remember. I'm I'm totally and completely guilty. I, and does I, anybody know where the will is? We we're going to do this podcast. I'm still guilty. <laughs> do, do do you know where the do you know where the will is? does? Yes. Somebody know where the will is? Yes. I yes. Okay. Yeah. That I have. Okay, great. That part so, I got figured out. But no, this is but this is this has been great for me to know that I need to go read it myself. I need to see whether or not it needs updates. And although my kids know where it's located and I have a pretty simple life, so I didn't think anything needed explanation or discussion, I absolutely am going to have, I, 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 and even asking them, are, is there anything of mine or things that are, are, that I have that are your grandparents? Because I came into possessions and jewelry and things that don't right. have maybe monetary value, but sentimental you know, great grandma's little tinder box that she got as a wedding gift. And little, right. I mean, are those are those things that are interesting that you'd like to talk about who would like to have them when I don't have them anymore? And let, yeah, let's start that conversation now. In fact, I think it's probably better to have it now when death seems so far from my kid's mind that it wouldn't be like, oh, mommy, you know, you're old and decrepit. We shouldn't be talking about this. It's like, well, they're going to they're going to be uncomfortable and it doesn't matter. You know what? Yeah. It doesn't you're not going to do it in one sitting. So just do it over time. Uh, yeah. I'm like, you, you're not going to do it at Christmas. Say, by the way, um, when I pass away, who's going to get that Tinder box that you know Grandma left? You know, don't do it that way. And then I'll pass me the the cranberry sauce. No, <laughs> do it off. Do it after you, maybe after the meal, and uh, maybe a day later or something like that, and and have the conversation. You know what? I'm just getting things organized and just up to date, just in case something happens, because you know what? Anything could happen. Doesn't mean you you might pass away, but you might. You could go in a coma. You could be, could be in the hospital or something like that. I just wanted to make sure everything is organized. So, yes, they may know where the will is, but I'm sure it's in the same color of everything else that you've got in your filing cabinet. So maybe you need a bright, really red. I like the bright. bright I like the bright color. color idea. Yep. A bright color, and then the other thing we talked about, which you clearly have to update, is where all your logins and passwords. Yep. Yeah. I, well, I, yeah, I have a, I keep an electronic vault. So at least I need that one place to know how to get into my electronic vault that should give them everything else. Okay. So at least I've got that does, a little somebody, bit. Somebody, does somebody know about that electronic vault? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're okay. Well, I'm, I'm not as, I'm not as, I'm not as bad as I think. Oh my God. Um, you're, you're not, you're not bad. You just do just a little bit of tweaking. It's, it's tweaking, all good. Tweaking people. Tweaking. Yeah. Tweaking. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so just to put that with the, with the, the logins and the password. So that means, um, you know, list all your email accounts, list all your login credentials, um, let the executor or your family members know where it is. So you said you have that uh, digital um, uh, vault. Um, give, you know, let them know. Maybe 
for the logins and passwords, maybe there's a lot of personal things that maybe you don't want the executor to know. And then you're going to say, you know what, let maybe a family member, one of your children handle that. Um, that's a, totally up to you. What you want to do is to ensure that you have a smooth transition of the estate to make it easier, again, make it easier on the, the executor. So, but make sure you've got that list along with your with your will um, and, and make it easier on them. So don't, just don't leave them disorganized and in chaos. Oh, yay, yay to that. And you do have many checklists. You've got them. Um, tell people where they can find your resources. Oh, just go on my website, uh, davidedy.com. It says E-D-E-Y.com. And on there, we've got, uh, you know, well, you've been there already searching around. So it's uh, there's a resources section and there's free downloads uh, for checklists. Maybe you take the checklist, you print that off and put that in with the will and the logins and passwords. So then when they're doing things, they can say, OK, I got to do this. I got to do this. Give them some sort of starting point of what they need to do. Get organized. Maybe you have a prearranged funeral. Maybe you have that paperwork already in there as well in that bright red envelope or bright blue envelope. And all of that's in there. Again, you're making it easier on them because they're going to be traumatized. They're going to be grieving. Just make it easier on them. This is probably the biggest gift of love that you can give your family right now next to changing their diapers. Probably even better than this because you're you're making sure that they're going to know that you love them. You've left them in a good spot so that you can pass on your wishes and your values going forward. So it goes on from generation to generation. Oh, so thank you. Is, is there anything else you feel that uh, that we've we've missed or that you want to make sure that we wrap up in this uh, conversation? As much as we've had this conversation, everybody's probably nodding and, oh, yeah, I need to do this. Just do it. Just do what you have to do. If you have a will, update it, have the conversations. If you don't have a will, do something. You know, do the online version. It's going to be a little bit more, you know, it's not going to be maybe as comprehensive because you might have complex situations. Or go sit down and speak to a lawyer and get organized and do something again. There's no reason that you that you would want to leave your your family in in just total chaos. The one thing we didn't touch on is if you're a business owner, what would happen if you own a business? You know the business, uh, and if the business is the one uh, that's bringing in, you're the main breadwinner. What happens to the business if you uh, died or became disabled? There's no succession plan. What do you do? You know um, you're leaving the 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 um the future of the business up in the air do you want a family member to take over an employee do you want to sell it or you just want to have it shut down nobody knows it's all in your head so you need to uh, now as a business owner you need to add on what uh a succession plan what do you what do you foresee that you'd want to happen to the business so again these are all things i don't expect people to start all at once but start the process i was talking to somebody the other day, I think I said um, six years they've been planning to do this, and now they're you know now they're going to decide to do it. God, luckily nothing's happened in those six years because they got young children, but they're now you know saying you know we need to do something now. So just do something and get organized. Yeah, leave a legacy and not a legacy and a mess. Beautiful. I really appreciate your time and these uh, free these free uh, resources for people and as well as a comprehensive book that people can purchase through the website. So thank you so, so much. I hope this has motivated people to to take this as a serious topic and, and get be motivated to get going, especially if families getting together over the holidays. Like you said, maybe not past the cranberry, but if we're all in the same room. Maybe over coffee, it might be time to just pick people's brains about what they're thinking about. It just, just you know, just say, hey, I've been thinking about doing this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to bring down the, uh, you know, the temperature in the room, make it uncomfortable. But you know what? Just make it a ongoing process. Let it be a starting process. And, you know, every time we get together, let's talk a little bit more. This is what I'm doing. And make it a conversation starter. Yeah. And just go from there. Or my book makes an excellent stocking stuffer. And I think- Here we go. Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Start your Christmas shopping early, folks. We've got a great absolutely, list. absolutely. No, I, I, it, it, it's, it's so many families. I've got you know emails at the website, um, and just people are saying, you know what, they've never had started to have those conversations until now. Uh, after reading the book or hearing me talk, it's, it's, you know, it's, and that's the reason I wrote the book. I didn't want anybody else to go through what I had went through. Yeah. 
Well, I appreciate you sharing your story and sharing your information. Thank you so much and have a great holiday yourself. Thank you, Allison. It was a pleasure. Hope maybe we can do this sometime down in the future again. Would love that. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast. So thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.